Good morning, Kat. How are you? Good morning, Shelley. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, all good here. Um, <laughs> welcome to our latest podcast. Uh, so what are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to talk about sorting through all the information that we have available to us in the equine industry. Yeah, and isn't that just a confusing mix of messages out there? Absolutely. Yeah. Everything. I think now that we have access to so much information in everything we do in life, it can get really complicated. Oh, absolutely. And not only that, the internet's doing bad things to our attention span. Yeah. So you've got something like working with horses that is layered and deep and we have attention spans of gnats. Yeah. So how do you learn something deep when your ability to concentrate is not is it's kind of being floored by all the plethora of information that's just being thrown at us all the time and then you like have have doubt that what you're doing isn't right and then yeah you get paralysis because there's too much information you don't know yep yeah and it's always look at this shiny thing over here and your attention gets drawn over there actually i gotta just sorry i'm just gonna digress and just tell you like a bit of a funny story um simon said to me the other day he goes you know what you need to like get some photographs of you with a horse lying down. <laughs> so so practical. He just he just subscribes to lots of um, you know Instagram and Facebook are worked out. He's interested in horses now, so they keep sending him stuff. And so he notes how many likes and how much attention stuff gets. And he's like, oh, you know, it's like these pictures of people laying down with horses or with horses laying down, they get heaps of likes. You should get, you should find a horse laying down and go and take a picture of yourself with it and post it up, right? And it's just like, uh, no. That's <laughs> like, no. And he's like, why? And I said, because, because I don't, that's not me. It's not me. You also won't find me, you know, riding around a horse, bitless, bridleless, saddleless, and everything like that. That's also not me. Because, but that's what people like looking at. And go, yeah, but that's not me. <laughs> you know, I just like, and, I, <laughs> and it's funny because people do get drawn to those pictures, Absolutely. you know, and that, that's a whole other podcast we can do about why people are drawn to pictures like that. But it's just like, no, it's just that's not me. If I go and subscribe to that or sell myself as that just to get people's attention, but that's not me, they're going to be grossly disappointed when they find out I'm, I'm meticulous and thorough and detailed and, and stuff like that, they, you know, than just, you know, having magic qualities of laying down with horses as they sleep and cuddling them or <laughs> doing stuff I don't do. Anyway, that was the digression. So, um, yeah. That jacks your attention on the internet will probably not be me. <laughs> so yeah, so we, we have just, our niches. Beg your pardon. We all have our niches. We do, and mine's not that. <laughs> it's not me. Um, but yeah, but you get distracted by that, and you know you've only got so much time in the world to dedicate to your passion and your hobby. Absolutely. Dense people's attention is kind of being sucked up by that kind of stuff but also thrown to all these different like ideas and opinions out there and and these and their strong opinions as well about this way's right and that way's you know this is backed by science and this is more ethical and yeah but this is this is more classical and this is how it's done and but this person's winning this and 
yeah. you know, but this is cruel, but this is effective, you know, like there's all these things. So I do know that people are just going like they get in that state, I, I think you said paralysis yeah. over what yeah. to do. And so many people I see and they just don't do anything with their horse because they're scared of doing the wrong thing. Ah, yeah, scared of making a mistake. But also they dive down rabbit holes. Yes. Oh, my God, I'm forever pulling people out of rabbit holes. Or it's like, don't go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) Or, you know, your horse has got this funky neurotic problem. Let me guess, you went down this rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, people go down rabbit holes. And then, but how do you know you're going down a rabbit hole? This is the whole thing. How do you know what is the right path to follow? Like, seriously, how do you know? If you follow one voice on the on the internet facebook social media or whatever and you, and you follow that person and their train of thought how do you know that's right like how do you know how can you actually adequately assess something that you actually don't know whether it's good or bad it's just like you know if you get diagnosed with some condition how do you know like it, how do you know how to treat that? Well, of course, you're going to go to the primary kind of hospital yeah. or expert doctors first. That's going to be your starting point, right? And then you might look at some alternative thoughts from that. But where, you don't have that for horses. There's not like there's not like the horse university or the horse hospital to go and ask about or the horse riding, you know, specialist. Yeah. Well, there are people that do call themselves all those things, but, you but know. Regulatory body. That's there's right. There's no one overseeing it to there's see not. what. Yeah, there's not. And the regulatory that... bodies, there are regulatory bodies out there, but they're discipline associated. Yes. And it's all like, then, oh God, if you ever had anything to do with horse horse bodies, you'll know how, like, messed up that all is because people just get into power. That's more political. Yeah, and, um, uh, but they kind of get left behind and they don't keep up with the science and the understanding. No, they don't. So there we go. So it's just like. It is incredibly easy to get lost out there. <laughs> so I think that my first thing would be yeah, you have to start somewhere. That's you correct. You do. Where you, like who choose what method or who you're going to follow and learn it really well to a point that you know it really well that you can then start changing it. But until you know it, you can't change it. That's correct. You don't. And like, when we were having a bit of a chat about this before, about what topic to talk about, you know, I said, oh, yeah, but, you know, I spent tens of thousands of dollars on coaching, especially a hell of a lot of money with one particular coach, um, to then discover that they had, like, this massive missing piece of understanding. Yeah. And then I was like, so, you know, I was like, so I wasted all that money. And you went, no, 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 you didn't. <laughs> okay. And... <laughs> Because you wouldn't appreciate that gap and how much that, how important that is to your horses and what you're teaching now. Yeah, hadn't have gone down that whole path. Yeah, and then I had to get over myself and go. Hang on, I still draw on lots of that knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's just I know now how to do it better. But yeah. I kind of know the classic exercises for it. I just know all. I just know more components to it now that make it more effective. And so I had to pull my head in, get over myself, and say, "Yeah, no, that was really good money well spent." Yeah. <laughs> and you were so right that you. Um, it's kind of like I saw this quote yesterday, and I, I'm not going to say it properly, but it was like 
life kind of gives you tests and then teaches you the lesson. (laughs) And that's really the the deal with horses. Like you don't actually, you've got to find out what you learnt from that. So, you know, I spent all that money following, you know, a a couple of particular coaches um, and my horse had problems. Okay, and it was problems because of the bit that they were missing in their understanding, of course, what was, what was getting highlighted, okay. And then it was like, and then finding the solution to that, which is the lesson afterwards, you know, yeah. kept sending me up notches. And then every horse that I've come across that's giving me kind of insights, whatever, that I've that have presented me with a problem, a test, yeah. and then you go learn about it and then you go step up and that's how it goes. Yeah. But I'm going to point out that if you didn't have that gap where you've had it, you would have had it somewhere else and that would be yeah. the thing. Yeah. yeah. If you think you can swim through life and life just goes dandy, you're not learning anything. You're living in some kind of fantasy delusion world. Um, yeah, because life's all about, yeah, coming about, you know, coming to problems, learning something new to be able to get past that. Yeah. It's like kind of like a video game. <laughs> you go to a level, you learn some stuff, you step up. You learn yeah. that. You go to the next, oh, another problem comes along, you step up. And as I said, I talk about horse gods and stuff, yeah. like <laughs> the horse gods. Someone actually wrote to me and thanked me for the horse god, <laughs> for letting them know about horse gods because it made sense, you know, horse yeah. gods will keep presenting you with a horse with a problem yeah. until you fix it until you learn that, accept that about horses, learn how to work with it, learn how to appreciate and respect that and navigate it and then you'll get other, otherwise the horse gods just keep presenting you with the same thing. You might think you're going and buying a completely different horse but it's what you don't know that keeps triggering that within a horse so it will keep being put on the table until you do something about it. That is the horse gods. Yeah, but, um, yeah. So- that, but once you have that awareness of that thing, your brain will then like highlight it for you everywhere. Yeah, that's um, that's very true. And you get used to it. And you yep. get to a certain point where instead of being shocked or frustrated by it, it's like <laughs> something to learn. All right, yep. let's go. Yep. And, of course, now I've got a process of how I come across a problem. I just click into my process of learning. And I think that's also what we want to talk about. So what's your process of learning? <laughs> Um, I'm not sure how you're coming at this, so I'm probably going to get it wrong, but that's okay. Um, so I find that I'm very academic in my learning. Okay. What do you mean by that? So I like to go and read and gather as much information and learn from as many different sources as possible. And when I find something that I like, I will read absolutely everything, watch absolutely everything from that person that I can find yeah okay and And I'll go down that rabbit hole and learn like do it to the best of my abilities until I find that it works and then evaluate which bits of it I like and don't like and what I might like to keep and which bits that I might change yeah okay so so can I summarize it like this is this is what you're saying so you will study something so you're you're going you'll research it Yep. And you're looking for sources of information that make sense to you. Yeah. That help you understand something that makes sense. Yeah. And then you will follow that kind of practical advice, apply that kind of practical insight to see whether you have a good outcome. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the thing yeah. that I try to remember is that just because I can't make it work doesn't mean it's wrong. Doesn't mean that my timing was perfect or that I understood it completely or that I'm doing it the way in which it was originally intended. Yeah, but that's because you're quite involved, as, as I was saying before. <laughs> you've got you've learned how to learn. So when something doesn't go right, you just don't immediately throw it in the bin. Most people no. do. Well, it's got to work for someone, otherwise it wouldn't be out there. Yeah, but that's because reflective and you can you can look at it at that level. Most people, if they hit something that makes them feel uncomfortable or is hard or it doesn't work, they'll just go, it doesn't work. Yeah. So that's that's a that's how you and that's how you grow with your mastery of stuff is your preparedness to to look at yourself. And I think really, isn't that just the greatest gift horses give you? Oh, absolutely. That of stare in that mirror right and not just blame them <laughs> and I think once a horse teaches you that that's such a generous thing that you can apply to your life it comes up you... quite a bit and I've always oh, said, yeah. where did this come from but yeah horses teach so much yeah absolutely um yeah they're very much they're very much gold now something else that I want to talk about it's like <laughs> so what you said then was really crucial. You went for knowledge generated by people yeah, to get an understanding and some ideas and then you applied it and then you let the horse show you. Yeah. You get really annoyed by these people that go, the horse is the greatest teacher and, you know, you learn everything you need from the horse and it's like bullshit, okay? You need a human to interpret that horse there is a human bridge between you and the horse once the human creates this bridge between you and horses hell yeah horses teach you a hell of a lot and they're so crucial you can't learn and you can't learn all about horses from just a person but you need the person to help you interpret yeah especially when you not understand yeah because we're built like even understanding each other, we're a bit crap at. <laughs> we're pretty crap at and you need help with that sometimes, especially when it comes so, to relationships. But we're more intuitive against people. Okay. I was going to say, you know how kids sometimes can be really good with animals and yeah. then we seem to lose that over as we get older? Yeah. Do you know what I'm referring to? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think that if we're able to not lose that, that we would then be better with animals and we wouldn't need that reflectiveness as much? I think the thing with kids, with kids, and this is what they do say with kids, kids don't care if they stuff up. Yeah. Okay, they don't care if they stuff up. They're curious. Yeah. They play and try. Like if a kid wasn't curious and didn't care about failing, we'd never walk. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Kids bump into things, they drop things, they can't do things, they get curious. They don't, they don't have hang-ups about making mistakes. They're open yeah. to it. Um, that's, of course, if they haven't been messed up or Absolutely. in some kind of very stressful environment. But, but a child is very open. They're open. They haven't learnt. They haven't been wounded yet by life that makes you feel insecure and wrong and rejected and abandoned and yeah. a failure and things like that, which um, which you kind of get conditioned through your life 
and yeah, part of helping people with horses <clears throat> is actually ripping that down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kids are open to being curious about it. But they also, and let me say that, but also horse little kids can be quite cruel to horses as well. You know, people always say that, you know, think you think of the poor pony having its head pulled around and its mouth yeah. ripped off and yeah. Okay, kids aren't all, you know, they've got some, they're not all that, yeah. you know, ethereal creatures with horses. <laughs> but but generally they're more, unless they're not kind of also very focused on wanting to do something, like like I, like I the young kids are not interested in what I do. Yeah. They're just interested yeah. in riding, going fast, going over that jump. Yeah. You know, it's a rare one that, that does get into their mother or father is interested, so they absorb it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but just getting back to a child's open curiosity and not being, not fearing making mistakes, that's gold and that's what we lose. Yeah. Um, there is also, can also touch on something else that I think you might have been referring to as well, Absolutely. is that whole thing uh, that, kids especially young kids and stuff with horses and the peculiar kind of bond or relationship or the way horses can react to small children yeah you're talking about that I, I think yeah it's come a bit of both yeah so there's that and I talk to lots of mothers and stuff and lots of people have lots of stories about <clears throat> how horses reacted to their children yeah and like and then really like kind of freaky things their kids said when they were very young about the horse. It's yeah. almost like you could say is the is there some kind of communication or in another level between this child and this horse? Yeah. Um, and how gentle horses generally can be with yeah. kids and what that is. And I suppose uh, there's a really good book called um, Seven and a Half Lessons on the Brain um, and my brain has just gone blank on who the author is which is terrible because she's a great author when it comes to neuroscience and emotion yeah I feel like flicking to my phone to tell you the name um of the author but I know this will cut the podcast out so I can't anyway seven and a half lessons on the and one thing she points out in there is like like just say between us and the horse we've got all the same brain bits um, the same brain components. The difference is between, just say, a horse and a human, or a horse and a dog, or fish, or whatever, whatever, is the time into the growth of that particular part of the brain. It's like the brain forms with your particular skill set for navigating the world, right? So the human brain will put more effort into that frontal lobe because our superpower is thinking, whereas the horse puts, you know, when they're born. Those animals can do so. A lot of yeah, lot yeah. of effort goes into the the midbrain for movement and things. It's their superpower. So, but not only that. So, not only is it purely just a time in terms of of time put into the development of certain brain components, we also get conditioned into what our brains can process and. So we are taught from a very young age that that's important on that, take notice of that. Yeah. So, you know, you've got lots of skills like bats have great sensory things and all that. There is actually nothing to say that we don't have extra abilities. It's yeah. just that they've been tuned out. Yeah. Don't yeah. put, we don't know they, well, they exist within us, but we've been told they're of no consequence and therefore we, 
So the thing is, is that little kids, because they haven't necessarily been conditioned into what they can and can't sense and process, yeah, they may be more open to it. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. can actually experience stuff. They haven't been told they can't yet. Yeah. So they still can, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, so it could be um, that's definitely possible, and this book actually talks about that. Um, and it's by Lisa Feldman Barrett. That's it. She is wonderful. Both her books are brilliant, um, Seven and a Half Lessons of the Brain and How Emotions Are Made, two must-reads. Yep. Um, seven and a Half Brains, Seven and a Half Lessons on the Brain, not Seven and a Half Brains. That's <laughs> uh, probably my favourite out of the two. Uh, yep. The emotion one's quite it, – it, I enjoy it because it's part of my research, but it, it's – can be quite heavy going because it goes into a lot of research and stuff like that. But seven and a half lessons of the brain is entertaining, interesting, and yeah, it makes you aware. It talks a lot about animals and, and stuff and the comparison of the brains and stuff. Yeah, so that's that is interesting. Thank you. I've really enjoyed that bit because that was not our plan for today. But no, that wasn't our plan, but it is related, right? It, it is. is it is still related because it's like how we learn. Yeah. How do you learn? How do you navigate? So we, we, here we are in today's day and age when we had just been, we have an interest in horses. The social media knows that. We're all hooked into the internet and social media and we are having um, entertainment and information about horses thrown at us, like a wall of it. And how the hell and do you get through it? Go onto Facebook or Instagram and make an account and start talking about horses. Yeah, that's right. You can. Anyone can. And, and I did as a kid, so yeah. I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah. So how do you navigate it? What are our tips for navigating it? And do you want to give, let's give a couple of tips. What's your number one tip for navigating it? Find a program or method that is, let's go with, let's go with international like like quite a large program with a large following and then see if you can find someone local to you who can help you along the way yeah so so in a nutshell it's like find a stepwise method program out there and follow it and it's it's even better if you can find someone that someone local and close to you that you can get hands-on help with it yeah who's gonna help you along the way with that program now, out there on the internet, you'll get all these voices saying, don't go, because you're talking about things like Pirelli, Clinton Anderson, Tristan Tucker method and all that type of thing. And, hey, I've even got my own method too. <laughs> it's like a little tiny, um, I don't know, well, amoeba. Absolutely. That wasn't what I was thinking, sorry. No, 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 but you need someone, you need a documented process and method, yeah. okay? Yeah. Now, out there are all these voices that will say, don't use those cookie-cutter, terrible step-by-step horsemanship programs. They are bad and wrong and terrible for the horse. You'll hear people say that. Yeah. Go and find an amazing horseman and learn from them. I call bullshit, okay? Those things, like you got actually got a lot to thank Pat Pirelli for. I'm sorry, I'll handle the hate mail later. But when, but when you look at working with horses, Two perspectives you can take. One is the horse. Now, the horse has to be treated like an individual. Yeah. Okay, having a cookie-cutter approach to individual horses will get you in trouble. Yeah. Okay. 
most horses you can apply a cookie cutter approach to and they'll be able to go through it. However, it, the individual differences with horses means there's some horses that will fail at that. Okay, yeah. but leave that over there. But you've got to consider the human human component say, of it. It's more about the human. When That's correct. I'm that. a human learning expert and we need things. Our learning is enhanced when you break it down for us. Okay, and you can and you can highlight because we can only see what we know to see. And until we know to see that, you can't do it. So if you just go and you know and you and you work with some amazing horseman with your horse, working with the horse as an individual, right? You'll come out of that with some really good knowledge, but because that's an individual approach to one horse, you get lost. <laughs> you know, there might be some gaps when you get another one because it's not. Absolutely. So what those programs do is they take this kind of generic kind of like this is, the, this is what you need to know and these are some exercises and steps to help with it. Yeah. Okay. And so they teach the person, they skill the person up in these skills, right? Now, you ask any of these really good horsemen. You go find the really, really good horsemen out there and the voices out there. They'll have a background. They'll be, some of them will be Pirelli, okay? Some of them, yep, will be worked with really great mentors, but they'll all have this solid background foundation that, that did act as a foundation to their understanding and skills. Yeah. So they they... I am no different. I am very thankful for. Yeah. Now I don't. So my fundamental. He was things I didn't understand. So key concepts that I was missing. He highlighted them for me. He filled some gaps. Yeah. And he gave me something to follow that I could play and see and learn. Did I discover that Clinton Anderson thing was the answer? I thought when I'd found it, it was the answer to. And I thought that's all you'd need to know until horses show me otherwise. Yeah. Okay. And then I realized I really enjoy dressage and I went through all my Clinton Anderson levels and stuff like that and, and I came out with a Clinton Anderson horse, but I yeah. wanted a dressage horse. So I learned a lot from it. But if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be talking to you. No, you wouldn't understand. No. For me, it's understanding the philosophies behind why yeah. you do yeah so I am very grateful for that and it's why I created like my own well and then what happens right is that you get this foundation you then go on this learning journey um you master things you find out things that you that you believe are better and are easier people to understand and you know better for the horse in this regard and of course so what I did my all my knowledge that I've taken from everything that I've gleaned and learned and put together and I've come up with my own way of how I introduce it to people. Yeah. Um, and that's how, that's what, that's what happens. That's how I gained expertise and then I refined it. Okay. But so every single person that I've had something to do is I've woven together into my process. Everything, if you listen to Clint and Anderson, he will talk about his mentors and stuff all the time and how he got this from this person and that for that person and we'll round it up. Pat Pirelli does exactly the same thing. So it's the putting together of the human education program. Yeah. So I'm not it's, saying. Yeah, it's not. It, it is for the horses, but primarily we're going to teach. Yeah, you've got to teach people. And okay, so let me have a crack now at science equitation, equitation science, right? 
equitation science are out there and, and, and they're really important, right? They're putting research out there. They're putting the science kind of lens over horse training and, and that type of thing. But they go fly this flag. There's a lot of element within it that our way is the best way and everyone should be learning about operant condition and negative reinforcement and understanding that. They, it's so fascinating because they are so blind, here they are with their behavioralism and stuff like that, they're, and their science, they're so blind to their science, again, they've forgotten the human learner. Yeah. You go say, if I go into a, a clinic, now I'm, I'm more sci- total, so I'm more sciencey and, and freaking into learning and that. My, my, my ability to edge babble, which I call it, like all the terminology and stuff, is high, right? Yeah. I'm Zen level being able to talk, talk crazy complicated language, right? But if I go in, a clinic and I mentioned the word operative conditioning negative reinforcement 90% of the people will shut down yeah it's no different than doing something heinous to a horse <laughs> shutting them down because knowledge that people doesn't understand will shut people down yeah okay yeah you have to introduce things in language that will get people on board and once you get people on board and and they learn and they get a concept under their belt, then you can start putting nuances in there and start using language. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't you don't blow them up. You don't blow their brains and shut them down with because most people most people most people generally don't have the greatest time at school and most people generally didn't get into science. Yeah. Yeah. Especially women. Okay, that's why there's a big problem with in the workforce with science and maths being male dominated because of women getting left out of science. And then most of your clients are female that weren't inspired by the sciences because of how it was presented to them. And it doesn't, you've got to understand the human that you're dealing with. Yeah. Amen. That's my rant over with. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's so much important stuff that each different thing or program brings to it and it's just like rounding off all of it and choosing the bits but that's the hardest that, bit yeah and it's like that's what i recommend what you said it's like go through a program follow it through programs out there there's really good horsemen even there's like if you choose instructor that's right follow that instructor through to that's the correct point. Your horse is a finished broke horse. Yeah, but I want that instructor and that coach talking about their pro- that that can articulate their process. Yeah, that really knows it because if they really know it, they'll be able to teach it. Yeah, they don't necessarily have to have anything on the internet or an actual course written, but they've <laughs> got to be able to articulate you articulate it and you, and allow you to know where you are, what you're working on, what you need to achieve how to get there and what's the step up and when do you know you're ready to step up? Yeah. So, but it's, yeah, it's working with someone. It's like you've got to walk through the jungle. Yeah. And it's filled with like um, risk and danger and getting lost and stuff like that. And what you do when you've got a really good mentor, now whether they're a mentor or a coach, you got to, you got to, they help you navigate their path they've cut a path through it and ways to avoid obstacles ways to get over them and walking with them through the path their path that they cut and you get to the other side and you get to see lots of stuff 
allows you some confidence then to start, you know, you might start on one path and you'll meet someone else and they say, well, I do this a little bit different. I go around the, you know, I go around the cliff face this way and you go, oh, it's interesting, I'll go that way as well. And so then you start getting creative because you well, you can yeah. then go venturing because you're confident. So that was my next question. Yeah. When is it appropriate to dabble? Okay, so and that, yeah, well, you can dabble when you feel confident about getting from here to there and you're going, you know what, and I think it happens naturally because yeah. your curiosity would be. So with me, I was just when I found um, Clinton Anderson's and intermediate and advanced series and stuff like that, I just thought I'd found the meaning of training horses. <laughs> and I was very good at it, right, and it was yeah. so helpful. And then, like, but then because it increased my understanding, then I remember the next person I found that made my ears prick up was Warwick Schiller. Yeah. What he was doing, it was he, he was in a round pen with a horse. Now, with Clinton Anderson, you canter or canter, right? Yeah. You just get them cantering. But Warwick was letting the horse trot. And not only that, Warwick was more relaxed. Whereas Clinton kind of, the thing is, is go and you do this and you walk around and it's it's really high, like um, high discipline kind of uh, work in the round pens. Like, you know, you're going to work and it's canter and it's go, go, go and it's this. Warwick was more into that and I went, oh, that's lazy. <laughs> that was my first interpretation was lazy. Right, but he just allowed the horse to trot around and stuff like that. <clears throat> and as I started watching, it was like, oh, that horse is going quite nicely, you know. Yeah. And Warwick was talking because of the thing. So, what I got from Clinton Anderson, what he taught me was um, being very meticulous and the yeah. presentation of cues and how to do it and how to break things down and, and introduce. But what I got from Warwick, very, um, but watching was how the horse did things. Yeah. Taking more notice of that. Whereas whereas with just say my eyes that I was learning at that stage with just say with Clinton Anderson's cantering, that was good. Yeah. The horse was cantering. Or it's throwing the rope over its back and it put its head down. Yeah. So it was taking the layers. Yeah. But then with Warwick, Warwick taught me to to um look at what how the horse was doing it, that that was important. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so I think it kind of happened naturally because I was, you know, you get you get very good at things and your first thing is it might be a judgmental thing that draws you because that's what I was like, oh, he's lazy. <laughs> and then like looking at it a bit further and he said something and because you've got eyes and you can see stuff, you know. Yeah. The next, sorry, I'm kind of taking, taking you on my, my journey, but the next person I then saw that was very important was Ross Jacobs. Yeah. Now, again, when I looked at Ross, Ross to me, I looked at him and went, because I, I liked what he wrote in blogs. I told him this in the podcast. We had yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. I told him. I love what he wrote. But then I went and saw him and went, holy, that man's got no method, right? <laughs> and he was talking about this stuff and it just seems like he was just being real messy. And then I saw what he was talking about. And so you can train to those particular layers, you yeah. know, the behaviour layer, the mental layer and the emotional layer, you know. It's just like they showed me that. Um, so I think it happens naturally when you're ready. Said horse gods present. Yes. <laughs> That's what I yes. reckon. Yeah. But cat, what happens yeah. if you're doing something and following it? Crap. What if it's not solving problems? If you, if you're struggling and you still can't like make it work and you've tried it all, then find someone else. 
But then when you find someone else, you then dedicate yourself to that program wholly until you learn that one. And if you keep, yeah. if you get to like the third one and it's not working still, you need to seriously look at the programs you're choosing or yourself and the way that you're applying it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good advice. The thing is, is that's like what you said before. See, you're really good because you look at yourself, oh, I might not be doing it right. People don't think like that. Most people don't think like that. They just blame because people are naturally blamers. They blame someone. I think it's so crap. We've got to remember that everyone's doing their best. Yeah. And, and I, if there's a thing out there, it's got to work for someone and we've got to work out how it's working for them and it's not working for us. And I suppose what you say is really important that, well, if you're not doing it right, and you're never going to do anything right. So it's just going to be fail, 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 fail. Like it's going to be endless. You're going to go through everyone yeah, and you're yeah. still going to have problems. And then what they do, so they just then go and blame their horse. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I suppose it's, it's – and I suppose that you meet people like this, like they've had so much trouble, that hasn't worked, that hasn't worked, that they haven't actually considered themselves. But yeah. when there's like – but when they get so kind of uncomfortable by – the frustration they're experiencing or the fear, then then um, if you handle them right, they can go, oh, it might be me. Yeah, but then I find that sometimes those people then, they, that's when they get paralysis too. And then they yes, have- yeah. Yeah, then they get, oh, it might be me, and then they start watching. Then they start going down rabbit holes left, right and centre. <laughs> yeah. But I think like then, as I said, just got to have faith in the horse gods. Absolutely. Everything always works out. Yeah. But it- trust the process. You can't rush it. You've got to be patient, but you've got to be dedicated and consistent. You've got to keep doing something. Yeah, that's right. And you've got you to strive to get better. Makes if you're not making any. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is very wise. So do you have any other tips? So that was number one. <laughs> that, was- tip. that was actually tip number one. Uh, second tip uh, so follow someone so basically find someone yeah follow them to the um other side of the jungle yeah, and yeah. then go dabble um, um yeah dedicated just be dedicated yeah dedicated and disciplined yeah hey and i really like something else that i really believe that you really um you really represent is someone that has gone out and and gone to look at horses from different perspectives like your hoof care your soundness and the training perspective the riding perspective like you've taken on you've gone and and not just dabbled but you've immersed yourself in different aspects of the horse they make me uncomfortable why how does that make you uncomfortable it's true you have I have, yeah. I go and I learn as much as possible. And believe it or not, horses are really complicated. And the more you learn, the more complicated they get. Yeah, and it's where you can just sit back and enjoy it after a time instead of getting, oh, God, they're so complicated. It's like, oh, no, that's really interesting. Knowing that will help that. Yeah, they are. They are. They're very, very interesting animals. And, And the cool thing is, is like they're so interesting and they have that complexity to them and that difference from us that you, if you want to be good with them, you've got to appreciate them and respect them on so many levels yeah. um, that I say certainly make you be the best, the best of human you can be. And I, that's what I think is so special about them is they bring out your best. Yeah. So Did the, you have any tips that you wanted to add on? Um, look, I think it's, 
it's like I, I wish people would just be aware of what the social media is doing to their attention span. Yeah. You know, like like I've had to cut, like I love writing long detailed things to give people step-by-step insights and concepts, right? I can't write stuff like that anymore. It's made me, no one will read me. Facebook doesn't even send it to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're, or, you're okay. Like Facebook used to be a platform that did give a lot of content. Yeah. Um, and whereas Instagram was more like, quick snapshots, beautiful pictures, capture attention, let it go. But nearly everything now is drawing. Like if I write something long or if I make a video longer than a minute, uh, people don't look at it and therefore I'm just wasting my time and energy. So I'm having to like not necessarily dumb things down but just because people are so lost. And I really wish people out there would realise what's happening to them because they're being evolved. Yeah. The technology is making their brains evolve to have no attention span. And this is an art. This is mastery. This is and and what you've got to do an apprenticeship. You do yeah. an apprenticeship with a master, under a master. So you're right. What you said, you gotta find your master. Yeah. Your master that you can appreciate the work that they're putting out and their craftsmanship. Then the craft. You gotta immerse yourself in and be willing to be an apprentice. Yeah. But fortunately, if you like are smothering yourself with, you know, 50 masters and you're dabbling in, if you take this master's this and trying to merge it with that master's that, it doesn't work. You know, you've got to kind of, you've got to dedicate yourself and you've got to realise that's happening to your brain mm-hmm. and just set yourself aside. And what I tell, say to people with my staff, it's just like give me like two months. Yeah. Dedicate yourself to doing this for two months. Don't go there. Don't go this. Just do two months because I know if I can get them to focus on something for a week, (laughs) they'll see change. They'll see change in themselves and their horses and their minds will be open. If they give me two weeks, it will double, triple. And then, holy shit, look at my horse, you know, like, like, wow. Um, but it's yeah, getting people to make that commitment and that understanding that they've sent themselves in a spin by looking at too many masters and getting themselves too distracted and, and they're doing too much procrastination and um, and time wasting. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be like really understand that's what's happening to themselves and set themselves a time. Like there's a really good book called Deep Work. I recommend everyone read Deep Work. Um, and it's the process of if you want to learn something or you want to be productive, you've got to actually set yourself time away to immerse yourself in uninterrupted study. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a really cool book. Um, yeah, and to just set yourself, if you've got, you know, if you've got, we've all be, lead busy lives and work. Get, your life gets broken up into, you know, you've got to go to work, you might have to look after your kids, you've got to do some basic things for your horses. But if you can just give yourself... 30 minutes time yeah. each day to dedicate to studying something that's that's connected, you know, from the one master or, you know, expert that you're following and follow it and do it and practice it and just, you know, give yourself a month. Oh, God, just give yourself a week of doing that, of just practicing something. That's how you get good, not yeah. by chopping and changing and getting distracted over here. You never create anything beautiful doing that. Yeah, and when you think if 30 minutes a day, it adds up to three and a half hours in a week. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. craziness. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it just does. And then just going out and doing the same consistent thing with the horse. People don't understand what the word consistency means with a horse. They think, oh, no, the consistency. No, I, I'm consistent. I ride my horse every day. And it's like, man, it's what you're doing to that yeah. horse. <laughs> we can look at it in different layers. The consistency of going out there riding every day, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's one tick. Good. good. But then when you ride, you have to do the same routine and they understand the same cues. And it's you have yeah. to, like, the same as you would train a dog. If you ask them to sit, you ask them to sit in the same way. Yeah. And you release them in the same way. And you ask for the down in the same way. And you practice right. it again and again and again so they can't get it wrong. Yeah. It's like a, you're practicing, you're building towards being able to do a dance. And you're starting at the start of the dance and you're doing the dance steps in the same way. And you're, you're doing, you're adding on and you're waiting till you're ready to add a new dance step. And always understanding that learning, learning looks like a curve, okay? It's a, a, the learning curve. Everyone's learning curve, <laughs> right? And that there's, you know, there's, there's time that has to go before you get proficient at something. And, and you- then you reach... And then you jump up a little bit and you might yeah. go just without like doing the same stuff and feel like you're getting nowhere and then yeah. next week you find the next bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny. I was just thinking, do you want to know what my consistency my consistency back before I had any idea um, was that I go to my weekly ride yeah. and then that week I practice my lesson. I just rewrote my lesson <laughs> because I had no idea how to actually design a lesson or what my horse needed. Yeah. Analysis. And there was no real, um, my riding lessons were random. One lesson we do polls, then the next week we do something else. It was more like yeah. kind of an entertainment type thing than actually a structured training program Yeah, and understanding what was happening. Yeah. And I think there's a part of that, like, um, I really enjoy for motivation to have someone holding my hand and to have a lesson each week and to do that. And that's okay. But oh, that's absolutely great. That yeah. You've got a bigger picture too that we're working yeah. on specific yeah. things. Yeah, and that's why you need that coach that can tell you where you are. Yeah. Tell you and articulate you're aware of what you are actually working on, yeah. how you were doing it, why you were doing it and and there's a focus on that okay and then knowing where you're going to go and what you're going to see yeah you need that you need to be out if you can't say if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast and you don't know where you are what exactly you're working on at the moment where your horse is what its strengths what its weaknesses and how you're targeting those things then you're missing something Amen. Amen. I think that's a good place. <laughs> we'll stop there. Thank you, Shelby. All right, All right Have- Kat's been great chatting. Bye. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Canter Therapy. You can find us on Facebook on Canter Therapy Podcast. And if you'd like to know more about me, Dr. Shelley Appleton, you can find out more about me on my website, Come Willing Confident Horses dot com dot au i'm on social media facebook dr shelly appleton calm willing confident horses and i'm kat uh you can find me on facebook at friends of park equine services or instagram at friends of park 
If you would like to leave us a rating where you're listening to this podcast, we'd appreciate it. And we look forward to hearing from you.